Get my cash right Cause I spent it all last night Said I'm good to go Hello, and thank you for joining us on Building Greatness the Warrior Way, a Westcliff University Athletics podcast. As always, I'm joined by our Dean of Athletics, Sean Harris. Yay, yay. And I'm Sherm Dog, David Shermet, the head baseball coach at Westcliff University. And as always, we have another fascinating podcast today. Thank you, everyone, for listening as we have an amazing guest joining us. Lily Belton of our softball team. Lily, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Well, there, you know, you're not obviously just a softball player. You have recently been um, elected as the president of our Student Athlete Advisory Committee, or our SAC. That is exciting. Um, you know what? Uh, it, it just, you know, it's a very important piece of our athletic program. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> the highest office that you can have. It's the liaison between the, the athletes and the athletic administration and the coaches. And, you know, you're in a very important position and it happened pretty quickly, didn't it? It did really. Um, we went from being in our meetings to, um, our, our two, uh, advisors, you know, for the, for the group saying, Hey, we're going to do, we're going to do elections. And, you know, a couple of the positions were just taken right off the bat. And then I, um, I said, hey, yeah, I'll run for president. I want this. And, you know, our buddy Ronnie, you know, he was like, I'm going to run too. I was like, all right, let's, let's go. <laughs> I cool. love the competition. So uh, I just went for it. Good. We got the right person in the right spot. You know, before we get all the way into your duties and your vision for the position, tell us a little bit about your story and how it is that you came to Westcliff. Yeah, so a little rewind. Um, I, I transferred here, I'm, I'm a third year. And um, my freshman year, I went out of state to play softball in a, at a little JUCO or junior college in Nebraska. And then from there, I actually went back home, went to the JUCO near my house, five minutes down the street. And then, um, COVID kind of cut the season short for everyone <laughs> that year. And I um, was talking to a recruiter or was about to, and she was like, Hey, there's this program starting in Irvine. I was like, Irvine, what the heck? Like, there's no, didn't know there were any softball programs in Irvine. And then next thing I know, I get an email from Coach Sony and I'm here at Westcliff. But just, just for this, so this opportunity to be at this school, like this is my third school in three years, like all out of good reason, <laughs> but um, I don't know. It just shows me that everything does happen for a reason. So, um, mm. you know, trials and tribulations of the last three years have been crazy, but you know, like it's, well, I'm, I'm a very superstitious person. So the fact that I'm here is just, I'm super thankful. Oh, good. Well, you know, your experience has brought you to us. And I know it's your third school, but it will probably be your last one. I think you're going to be here for a while. Um, you know, Coach Sony has a lot of good things to say about you. And so, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about softball. And in particular, where, where are you from? What part of the world? Um, I'm from the Bay Area, Northern California. So like Pleasant Hill, good. Walnut Creek area. Okay, I've heard of it. Um, and, you know, obviously there's a lot to, to like about Irvine and our program, uh, our, our curriculum. What is your major, by the way? 
uh, business administration. Hopefully with a focus on sports management. Nice. We have all that. That's excellent. Okay. Now, in terms of softball, what position? Um, outfield, middle infield. So outfield. Okay. Yeah. You, you play a little bit of everything. That's <laughs> wherever, good. wherever she needs me, man. <laughs> okay. Well, you're, you're here at the right time. Obviously, we're just getting going with our softball program, uh, really ramping up and excited about uh, the fall and the upcoming season. It runs parallel to baseball. So, you know, I, Coach Sony and I get a chance to talk a, a great deal. What, what was it about uh, Westcliff and, and the softball program that attracted you? Um, it was, it really caught my eye that it was a new program. Like the fact that um, we can lay the foundation through the years to come. I thought that was super cool. Mm. And, um, you know, everyone's starting from scratch. So um, I knew it would be, you know, it would take, um, take a little bit of, uh, like I said, trials and tribulations that always happens in life. Right. But, um, you know, to come from nothing to build, like build from the bottom up, I think that's, I think that builds a lot of, um, I mean, you, you, your culture is in your hands, right? So sure, I, I sure. think that was awesome. Yeah, well, we're very fortunate. We've got Sony and we've got Sam, uh, Sam Schaefer, soon to be Sam Coolen, yes. I might add, uh, in, yes. uh, yeah, in the right positions. Obviously, there isn't anyone in the area that's got more experience than Coach Sony. So I think you've landed in a pretty good spot. And uh, how are you getting on with your teammates? I love my team. Like, mm. You know, uh, I've been on some teams that did not have the camaraderie and even in the fall, I mean, it was tough. Like, I mean, no one knew anyone. I, I only knew one other person because she came from the same JUCO as me my freshman year. But, um, yeah, I, after finishing our last six weeks of practice this spring, um, with even with season canceled, like feel good. Like this is the first time I'm coming back to a team in the fall and I'm super excited. Hmm. Okay. Um, you know, we got the summer coming up here. What are your plans for the summer? Are you going to do summer school or play summer ball or get a job or all of the above? Yes, uh, kind of all of the above. Um, I was trying to look into finding some areas to play, you know, some games, but um, I am taking some summer classes. I'm taking three this first summer session, so that way I'm able to graduate next spring. and then. Um, I actually train at Chapman Baseball Compound in Irvine. Um, I'm going to be putting work in there. I think Coach got a couple um, camps lined up in June that I'll help out with. And I'm actually going to try to get a job at Chapman Baseball Compound. So yeah, everybody they're is. They're expanding. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, I know. They're expanding. I yeah. know those guys pretty well. We go over there. We have been going over there in our uh, in our short existence. We've used that place plenty of times. And yeah. Um, kudos to them. They're, they're really helping out a lot of baseball and softball programs in the area. Um, let's talk a little bit about, about the student athlete advisory committee or what we call the SAC. Um, you've, you've been elected mm -hmm. the president and tell our listeners a little bit about that position and what your responsibilities are. For sure. Um, this position, it's like you said, you used a perfect word earlier. You said the liaison for between the athletic department and the athletes, but it's more, it's more like I'm the voice of all the other athletes because um, not everyone can be heard every second, right? So I'm, I look at it as my job to get connected with more people and um, make, make uh, you know, 
it's like the five C's, right? We want we want everyone to be together and be a community at West Cliff. So um, there's got to be a connect there. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know that we still have to like go through and figure out what exactly I'm going to be doing. And we're going to be doing that in the next few weeks. But um, I just know that's one of the most important things. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, that, that's kind of a, um, a large contingent of student athletes. Uh, it's not just two or three people. It's we try to get representatives from all of our sports. So you're, right. you're going to be overseeing a lot of people with a lot of responsibility. And as I say, it happened pretty quickly. Um, you know, our our softball programs knew you've, you've stepped up and you beat everybody to the ballot and everybody voted for you. It's just kind of it a was, neat thing. It was- scaring me right at the end so like there's an hour left and I was down two percent and I was sitting there I was like all right I'm accepting this this will be fine <laughs> but then um you know power to the people I was super 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 grateful um for the, the people that were texting me and saying hey I'm sending the poll to all these people and you know it was, it was amazing I, mm. it was like I should never be sad ever again because yeah. all these people supporting me i was i was super just that alone the experience was cool yeah there so was I had a, no idea there was a mad rush at the end and and you overcame yeah. which was really kind of neat so the support you've gotten in the short time you've been here is is um you know really uplifting what is your vision for the job what do you what do you see uh or what do you see yourself doing in order to be successful in this position i want to go all in um you know, that's been my word and um, being in the moment is huge for me. Um, nothing, nothing will always be perfect, right? You know, I may come across some like some conflicts, but you know, if, as long as I put everything into it, um, I believe that we can figure stuff out even when it comes to, um, you know, athlete bonding or community service or whatnot. Sure. Sure. Well, we have, um, you know, overall through our athletic department, I think all of our athletes combined hold a 3.0 GPA, which is really kind of cool. Amazing. You're, yeah, you're going to have a lot of smart people on that committee with you. Have you identified any uh, anybody on the committee yet with whom you really want to work closely, maybe like a vice president or someone su- such as that? Have you have you figured it out yet? Have yes. you had the chance? Yes, um, they're elected as well. Our, our vice president's Kenny McDonald and mm-hmm. um, Bree Gardiner. She's a freshman catcher. Nice. My team, so. Oh, excellent. I think you guys talked to Kennedy on here too. So right. I'm pretty good friends with both of them. So Nice. Okay, good. All right. So you've already yeah. got good working relationships with the people in those positions. 100%. Yeah. And then, you know, I look at SAC as a whole, like even though not everyone's got a position like that. Oh, yeah. And I forgot Leo. I'm totally blanking on his last name, but he's our treasurer. But um, even if you're in SAC and you don't have a position, we're all, you know, we're all one, right? So I don't, I'm looking forward to working with everyone. Sure. I'll, I'll be, I'll be running the meetings and Kennedy will have my back with the meetings too. So we'll be kind of talking during the meetings, but um, good, good. Hopefully, How- hopefully we'll have in-person meetings soon, you know, and but once we get here in the fall, right? Yeah, absolutely. How, uh, how many meetings do you think, are you going to meet once a week, once a month? What do you think? Um, when we're, when we're back at school, I think we'll, we'll do once a week. Um, of course we'll, we'll decide that as a collective. Um, cause I know on top of everything, you know, we are student athletes. So, 
Sure. Um, gotta, gotta figure that one out. Okay. Do you have any idea right now what your first order of business is going to be? What you in particular, just Lily want to work on first with SAC? For sure. Um, you know, I've been thinking about this past week, right? Uh, yeah. cause we got a little break with tech right now. And I'm like, Oh, I'm thinking about is coming back in the fall. So I want to do something in the fall that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the year. So it's got to be a little big, right? So, okay. um, we got to talk to Sean and, and then got to talk to Taylor and kind of coordinate to make that week fun. I know we want to do a welcome week type bit deal. So, um, cause we got a lot of, we got a lot of people coming in, you know, I see everyone getting recruited on all the accounts, right? Like right. Different posts every day almost. So, mm-hmm. um, got to make those students feel welcome. And, you know, um, it was tough with COVID and, you know, we were all connecting. I'm just now like meeting people in the last month because, you know, it's like safe enough now. <laughs> So um, it's kind of crazy, you know, to go from social media to like, whoa, hey, you're you're not as tall as I thought. You know, people <laughs> usually say that. Usually, people say that to me because I'm like five two three quarters. <laughs> it's an important three quarters. <laughs> yeah, it's a very important. Just say five three. <laughs> Just say five three. It's fine. <laughs> hey, Round hey, up. I'm five four with the cleats on. There so. <laughs> you go. You might, yeah, do that. That's funny. All right, got you. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, there, there may be people on the um, committee that aren't even at the university yet. You know, they're, they're recruits, you know, we're going through a huge recruiting period right now. And so there may be some exactly. that, uh, yeah, that some that join our athletic department, and you don't even know who they are yet. You haven't That's even why had that first week so important, you know, so. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're all excited about that, too. We're going to be in a, uh, you know, hopefully, we'll be on our new campus for the first time. That'll be yeah. exciting. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I know we're very much looking forward to that. That's exciting. Um, you know, this is a pretty big job, over and above everything else that you have to worry about. Plus, you're taking you know a full uh, curriculum, full courses, and all of that. I'm just kind of curious for my my own edification. What kind of grades do you get? Um, I believe I'm sitting at a three point eight. Of course, of course, you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I ask myself sometimes, I'm like, how do I do it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, I yeah. guess you know, just got to get it done. Um, I try, I tried in this last session to get a little more ahead. I do, I'm like a pro procrastinator, which is probably way worse. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody um, is in college. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I think yeah, I was too. Sure. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think you were stem, uh, leading into asking me how I'm going to, um, juggle everything. Um, yeah, a little you know, bit, but you know, you're say when you say you're a 3.8, you know, you puff up your chest a little bit and, and say that loudly. Be proud. Of, yeah. Be proud of that. <laughs> that's, it. that's quite an accomplishment, you know, it, it with is. all the other things on your plate and softball, and now you're going to have a pretty important position here. How are you going to juggle everything? Um, you know, I got my little planner, but my teammates were giving me a hard time on my live for president. They were like, hashtag Lily's planner, right? Uh, okay. I, I always have to have a little plan. You can ask anyone that knows me, right? At least Good. since I got here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I will do my best to plan everything and talk to people. And, you know, I know I have people that got my back. So if I'm like, hey, I, I can't grab this right now. Can you get this? Like call Kennedy or, you know. 
sure. but um i will do my best right um, oh of course but i i kind of have like a little bit of ocd that way if i if i start something i have to finish it so mm. um I'm the same way. I'm very much the same way. Yeah. And I, I can't let, mind. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, and I, you and I, I think are kindred spirits. I'm very superstitious. You know, baseball is a superstitious game. Softball is as well. Let me ask you about that. If you have a good game, do you get dressed the same way and eat the same things <laughs> and do the same routine before your next game? You know, over the years <laughs> I've, I've let go of a lot of superstitions. Um, now it's more like I got to wear my, I have my lucky bracelet or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, I've tried to really slow the game down for myself over the last two years. So, um, but yeah, if I have a good game, I don't know. I'm just like, even if I have, let me, let me compare it to a bad game, right? Don't, we all don't like those, but they happen. Um, maybe not bad is the right word. Not, not the results I wanted okay. for the team, right? Um, but you know, you just have to accept it, right? You know, you're going to start strike out sometimes you're not going to make a catch or whatever. Um, but I try to balance those feelings just so I don't like, I don't know. I don't know how to answer it, but if I have a good game, yeah, you know, I'm going to be happy. But I, if I have a bad game, I, I kind of want to, you know, roll with it and be like, all right, next, next is my, is a big word that I use. Like, you know, with my teammates and myself, especially when, you know, make a bobble next, okay. next one, next pitch, next at bat, you will get another one. So. So if you have a moment or where it doesn't go right for you, you don't get the result you want, not just team wise, but personally, it, mm-hmm. it used to eat at me. It, it ruled my whole life oh, until yeah. the next day. You're the same. Yeah, I, that would be me. Not anymore. I mean, I try not to, but I'm a I'm a very sensitive, emotional, strong person. So like, I, I'm very passionate when it comes to anything. So, um, especially when I get, if I get a little frustrated, right. I'm, I'm a little, uh, I, I hang on to it a little bit, but you know, you know, 10 second rule, <laughs> gotta yeah. move on. Well, I, I guess, but you know, uh, I, it, I seem to personally, I seem to remember the times that I didn't succeed. I don't want to say fail. Mm -hmm. Maybe as you have said, I didn't get the result I want. Now I'm an old guy, but I remember the times where I, you know, I didn't make the catch or I struck out or whatever the case, more than the successful times. You know, you, you had, you take the good with the bad, as you say, but the, unfortunately for me, the, I remember the stuff where I didn't, where I didn't succeed more than the times that I did. And so that's yeah. always, that's always kind of been my, my driving factor. You know, I always want to improve on where I, where I was deficient. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, as I say, all these years later, I still remember the times where I didn't succeed on the field. Oh, hundred hundred percent. Me too. Really? Um, my freshman year, you know, I didn't get the playing time I, I wanted. Um, it took me, I, I called myself a base running maniac because I so indulged myself into base running that year. And I mean, now I, now it's, you know, second nature. Right. But, um, I had to accept that role because he wasn't giving me a role. So, um, that's something I, I hold and it, it motivates me because, um, even here at practice this like that last week I was like, 
just looking around at everyone playing catch. It's like super funny of me. I'm so observant, right? <laughs> but I was like, wow, like we're out here, <laughs> like you know, enjoying it. But um, yeah, I I remember, you know, there was this one play my freshman year. I was playing left field, and my foot step touched the warning track, and the warning track was these filled with all these tiny pebbles, and it was mushy, and I fall back and the ball taps my glove and I don't make the catch and we lose the game. And I was like, awesome. Cause he hadn't been playing me and I'm in the game. Right. So I, I remember that it's moments like that, that, that are like, Hey, remember this moment? Like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, yeah. keep going. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I have the same, I have similar memories where, as I say, it didn't, it didn't happen the way I wanted it to. And I'm going back a long time. I'm going back 30 years or more, 30, 35 years. Mm-hmm. That's how old I am. And so I still remember those moments and they still bother wow. me all this time later. <laughs> they still bug me and like I can't get go, them out of my head. Oh, like it irks me to this day, you know? <laughs> yeah, a- absolutely. Okay. So you, you mentioned that you're going to hopefully graduate in the spring, which is about mm-hmm. a year from now, right? Correct. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm going with the flow with that, right? Um, sorry, I cut you off. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, going with the flow with that, you know, I've always had it in my head. Like, I'm going to, I'm graduating in 2022, right? That's just always been penciled in, in my mind. Um, and, you know, I had to talk to my wonderful coaches about this, but um, I'm not sure what, I want to get my master's in, but I know I want to go for my master's and I have, I have three years of eligibility. Right. So there was also that option staying here, taking, getting my master's here. Um, but I kind of want to get my master's in psychology. So mm-hmm. let's hope does it have a master's in psych. So yet. And I, and I'm not, I am so not done with softball. Like I've barely played a freshman like season of softball in college, let alone <laughs> any. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of crazy. Like, you know, the grind doesn't stop in that sense. So I intertwine softball with school, um, with that, but, um, you know, if it comes down to it and I mean, we don't know what's, what's in store for the next year. Right. So, um, have to figure that out and be communicative about that. But, um, I think a lot of student athletes get to that point and especially, the way it's gone over the last year or two, because eligibility has been forgiven. And if you're opting out or, you know, that COVID season, it it doesn't count against your eligibility. We find Mm -hmm. that we have a lot of student athletes who are going to be graduating, but they still have two years left or three years left and they want to continue playing. And Mm -hmm. they're a little bit torn about moving on. I I deal with it on the baseball team. I know coach Sony is going to be dealing with it on the softball team and, and the other coaches and the other sports. And we've got plenty of players now who are like, who call and say, Hey coach, yeah. we want to come back. You know, we want to finish what we started. So you're right. going to have some pretty big decisions coming up over the next 12 months. Oh, hundred percent. Even this summer, I have to really do my master's research. Um, and, you know, I think just in college sports overall, there's a lot of athletes my age that, you know, after next year, they're just going to be done. They're just going to throw those eligibility years away which boggles my mind because I'm over here like I was a I was a I'm a late bloomer when it comes to softball like I started playing in seventh grade so I mean I everyone most of the people I know played since it was five years old t-ball 
Like I was like, I don't play t-ball. <laughs> I could have kept a tennis ball at 10 years old. <laughs> so um, I, I think it's crazy that, you know, but, you know, to each their own, you know, everyone has their path. And if they want to go get a job or go to the school and not play and, you know, that's, that's cool. But yeah. I, I know I want to keep playing. <laughs> I'm <Sure>. not done. <laughs> I sure. haven't gotten what I wanted out of it, you know, and I, and I love the softball world, the sports world, like, because I know so many people in, in that area, I, I don't think I'll ever be leaving the sports world. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so, well, yeah, you said yeah. you want to have a, an emphasis on sports management. Is that right? Correct. Okay. Yes. Whatever that means. Don't know yet. Kind of, mm-hmm. you know, playing the cards and seeing, seeing what's dealt. Right. So. Okay. Would you call yourself a grinder? Oh yeah. You think? Because I heard you mention yeah. that before, and and just a few minutes ago, you mentioned about grinding, and so I thought, yeah, you know, it sounds as though your existence, um, your college existence so far, you've really had to grind to get where you are. Yeah, yeah. Even in high school, man, I went to um, I went to Alhambra High School in Martinez, California, and yep. um, shout out to these two players that I played with. They're amazing. Um, one plays at um, Cal, one plays at UCLA, one's uh, Free Press mm. and Carly Sorcino. Uh, they they yeah. are studs. And, and even my best friend, my year, she plays at Stony Brook. Um, yeah. Lindsay Osmer. Um, she, they all, these are people I looked up to playing softball in high school. And, you know, I, I, I didn't get to varsity till my junior year, um, played two years on JV. And so I had to make my way up and even, even my junior year, like I didn't play, you know, but I was watching these, these two phenomenal athletes. And I'm like, wow, like I gotta, you know, I gotta work. I gotta work. Mindset got a little different as I went through it. Right. You know, had to find myself as a player, you know, can't, can't try to be a player that I'm not because like, once you figure out that you could be yourself on the field, that's when you can really thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always felt like I was playing catch up because I started late and um, had to had to get where they were right you know these were all b1 athletes and you know i'm i'm a dreamer too so i'm like i can do it like let's go <laughs> like mm, let's get okay. somewhere so that's that was a lot of my motivation to sure go play in college and i and i you know i step on the field and still learn because i am still getting new experiences on the field every yeah. every time i'm there is it surreal for you when you're here and you get on the field and hey i'm I'm at Westcliff and I'm in a beautiful setting and I got good coaches and a program and it's still a little surreal for me. Uh, totally. Yeah. It, it, I think it's always going to be that way, which is going to keep it interesting. So um, yes. yeah, I kind of have that, I, I have that feeling, but it makes me appreciate it more. So, you know, hopefully it transitions to you that way as well. You get on the field and you, you, you know what your history is, you know, how you had to grind and how much you had to work in order to get where you are. And every time you step on that field, you don't take it for granted. Big time. Yes. Mm, okay. Lily, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Hopefully we can have you on again. And maybe when the season gets started and you're three for three with two home runs and a double, we'll have, <laughs> we'll have you, we'll have you back on board. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Lily Belton who is uh, on our softball team and also the newly elected president of our student athlete advisory committee. Lily, thanks again. Thank you for having me. Had fun. All right, Sean, we are back with another podcast, and we were very fortunate to have Lily Belton on, who uh, is the recently elected president 
of our Student Athletic Advisory Committee. But we've got a lot to talk about today, as is always the case. And I do have a very quick sports fact for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Uh, you know, we like to talk a lot about basketball and uh, for good reason. And, you know, March Madness finished up not too long ago. I've got an interesting March Madness bracket fact. Statistically speaking, you have a one in 9.2 quintillion chance of filling out a perfect bracket. The number is ridiculous. It's, I, it's written out here and I, I can't even explain it, but a teenager from Illinois was perfect in 2010. It's the only time it's happened in his first two rounds. Every, he got everything right in the first two rounds. That's a one in 13.46 million feet. But unfortunately, he didn't go on to attain the ultimate bracket perfection. And the incentive to do so got very sweeter uh, when billionaire Warren Buffett offered a billion, that's B, a billion dollars to anyone who can fill out a perfect March Madness bracket. So now we know why there is such craziness around brackets in March, because if you can figure it out, one in 9.2 quintillion, you'll be a billionaire. Do you fill out brackets, Sean? Do you do your brackets every year? I do. I do. Okay. I got to tell you, honestly, this was the first year I've ever done a bracket. Well, I'm not surprised. <laughs> okay. Thanks. I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> okay. That's kind of fine. You know what? I just, I figured if I got hooked on it, it was going to rule my life for at least a month. And I'd be looking at scores and watching games, which I do anyway. But if I had a bracket, if I had skin in the game, it would be a little bit different. And I think you're you a perfectionist. The I problem think, is, yeah. you, you, you know, every time a team will lose and mess up your bracket, you yeah. would be able to sleep. So I'm glad that you did us all a favor because you <laughs> wouldn't make it during the whole March Madness. You know, you, you, you can't handle that kind of uh, up and down, um, you know, somebody breaking your rhythm like that and nothing you can do about it. Yeah, I think you're right. My OCD would get in the way, but and I, I mean, think, I think it, it does. Do. I mean, listen, you you can win and still have an issue with the way that you win. So just think about a bracket, you mm. know, for you and your mentality. Um, you just wouldn't. It, it wouldn't be nice. You you could have had the perfect bracket and still found something wrong with it. Yeah, so, probably, probably. And I think so you beat me by good. one game overall right. in the wins and losses. I mean, you know, so I know, you know, my beloved Zag team, you know, uh, would have, you know, that just, that eats at you, you know, yeah. right now, you know, yeah. to, to go perfect and then lose the last game, um, it wouldn't be a good summer for you, for sure. No, that's true. That's true. Um, Not a wonder, good summer for me either. Yeah, I was just going to say, and, and probably Dom is, might still be stinging a little bit from it. You just grind it out, man. You got, it just gives you another purpose. Yeah, Nick, I guess you got to move on to the next thing, but it's, it's hard to get past that. You know, when you get that close and, and uh, you know, you have that opportunity and it just doesn't happen, it kind of, as I was talking with Lily earlier, I still remember the failures. I don't want to call them failures, but the times where I didn't succeed more than the times I did. Um, and there were more, hopefully there were more times I did succeed, but I remember the times when I didn't. All, this, all these years later, and they still stick with me. Well, that gives me great pleasure to hear that. Yeah, I love it. Knowing that <laughs> you lose on this podcast and our debates oh my every goodness. week. Really? So that means I'm in your brain mm. every week. I'm loving that. Yeah, and you beat me by one game in the overall wins and losses in the March hey, Madness. So hold on, hold on. 
Who? What, what was the details again? I, I did what? I think you beat me by one game overall oh, wins and game? losses. I think it was one because we were pretty close, and then I think I won two out of the four games. Sure. In the- we were yeah. never close. It's no nothing close between a winner and a loser. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's get that. Let's get that squared away here. Don't okay. make yourself feel all great talking about only one game. Mm-hmm. You lost and I won. Yeah, that's true. Period. Yeah, it doesn't matter who how close it was. So the loss what? is the loss. Next, you got to take that loss all the way till next March. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I know. Just, and I'm gonna keep putting salt in that wound. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna keep reopening that wound. <laughs> Thanks. You're gonna keep. I'm gonna poke, blow it poke, a, on that yeah, wound. poke a sharp stick in it every, every oh, so hey, often. Especially because I know you can't let it go. No, that's true. I'm gonna. It's gonna the sit with me for a year. Lost against me. In March Madness, the most historic March Madness ever mm. to date. And you yeah. lost? Yeah, I know. Ooh. I know. It's, it's going to sit with me for a while. No, it, no, it ain't going to sit with you. It is it is you. It defines you. So. Yeah, well, you know what? We'll have to see how next March goes. I'm going to have to. Well, uh, I, don't, gonna... I don't know. All I know is you're probably be in the same boat as last year. Really? You think? Cause, okay. Yeah, considering mm. this was your first bracket. Mm. Okay. I know that's true. I, yeah, I think I did okay. I don't yeah, know. I think you did. I think you did very well. Well, I don't. I don't remember exactly how many wins I had, but I know you had more than I did. Hey, so. can I tell you? I know exactly how many wins you had. Oh, really? You yeah. still have that? What, yeah, what, what? You know what is? You know what it is? I have no zero because no, I lost no. to you. It's not enough. Not Whatever enough, it yeah. was, it's not enough. Right. I know. Okay. All right. Well, I can't wait till next March be interesting um hey you know while we're talking sports we can always talk basketball it was a big week last week with uh, the nfl because they held their draft and while a lot of it went to uh form there were a couple so of surprises we're, so we're talking so we're talking football not basketball is that what you're saying well you know what you've got a serious advantage over me in basketball that's you know you're you've been a basketball junkie your whole life and while i follow it you certainly have more information. You've got more knowledge where basketball is concerned. Well, I mean, I can say the same for baseball. That's true. We don't talk a lot of baseball on this podcast. The reason why, because you don't want everyone to know that you're a low-key Yankee fan. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That would be you. That's so, not me. So, you, you and know, Sony, and that's it. You and so, you and our so, softball coach. I mean, but here's the deal. I just wanted to let the cat out of the bag and let everybody know that Sherm really is a Yankees fan. I am not a Yankees fan. He's really in the crosshairs being where we're in Irvine and he got so many friends. He just didn't want to tell anybody that secretly just want to let this out because Sherman's very superstitious. So he has um, pinstripes underneath of his Westcliff uniform when he plays. Those are just my pajamas. No, I, I, you know what? I, it's funny. I, the one team when I was, when the draft was happening, the one team I was afraid was going to draft me were the Yankees, and they didn't. But that's the I one team I didn't want to go. Because you know the expectation level to be a Yankee is far more greater than anything else you've ever seen. Yeah, you, you know what? You're, you're absolutely right. There's a tremendous amount of uh, expectation with some of the big market teams and no, no bigger than the Yankees. You're absolutely right. Because there's two months, right? that you know that you have to measure up to. And that's October and November. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay? Now, we know Reggie Jackson, and we know my, my main man. Who's my main man, number two? Who's my Derek, Derek Jeter, yeah. All right, yeah. all Mr. right. Mr. November, he's Mr. November. All right. So, you know, those two months, man, for a baseball guy in the pinstripes is, is really tough. 
Mm. You're, you're measured up to some of the, the legends of the game. So not, not everybody can put on the pinstripes, man. No, that is true. Um, and you know what? There are a lot of guys that can, but pass that go away because they haven't, they're not able to handle it. And there's a lot of noise surrounding the Yankees and big market teams. And, and I mean, noise that does not happen on the field, stuff in the locker room, the, the press, uh, you know, the fans, the city itself, there's a lot that goes along. And, and, you know, the guy, I know the Mets are secondary. I get that. Cause everything, it pales in comparison to the Yankees. I said, the Mets, are, sec- the Mets yes. are secondary. Exactly. Everything pales in don't, New York compared to the Yankees. Don't ever say the Mets in the same sentence with the Yankees, please. Well, the Mets are not anywhere close, Thank obviously. But, you. yeah. and I know, But, see, they still deal with some of the same media, some of the same expectations, well, the fans, the, the city. Okay, they deal with losing, okay? So, you're right. They deal with losing. We deal with winning. Mm. Okay, losers focus on winners, and winners only focus on winning. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're not even on the same planet. Mm-hmm. How how is it that you're a Yankees fan? Oh, you want to go through this again? I know we talked about it, but why don't you root for the Orioles? Okay, so you're from you're from here's the deal. Maryland. Always people like you always want to bring success down. Okay, all right. Okay, we're building greatness here. We're not building greatness at Westwood. So. Come on, sure. So, come on. And, okay, so you're going to – so are you just on the bandwagon? You just go for the top teams in each of the oh, sports? Oh, okay. So I just happen to be associated with the top teams, and now I'm on the bandwagon? Well, I'm asking. I'm just telling you, brother, like, I'm the cornerstone of these of fans. I'm the creme de la creme. It's not my fault that all of my teams just happen to be up on the top. Hmm. Okay. okay. I, I, hey, listen, I support a West Cliff baseball team that happened to be on the top. Am I on the bandwagon there? Well, you know, there you might be a little biased where that's where that's concerned. Maybe just a bit. Maybe is is just that a, a problem bit. for you? Is that a problem? No, absolutely not. Not at all. But your point of view might be skewed a little bit by rooting. It should be, shouldn't it? It should be, right? <laughs> I'm a fanatic, man. Yeah, yeah, true. I, I love those warriors, man. I can't wait to go to the other other teams' games. You know, I, I, I went to the women's basketball games, and we were, I can't wait to watch softball play and, and well, listen, lacrosse. Here, here's the deal: everybody know that you're the prima donna of my coaching staff. So really, I'm I mean, the prima donna. You know, so here's the deal: like, in order to get you to another game, I mean, we got to throw out the red carpet, we got to get VIP, we got to get the limo service. I mean, we bottle service. I mean, sure, it was too much. Really? Too much to get you out there, man. Okay, so what is so you always styling and profiling, okay, man. We okay, just, I'm styling and profiling. So what do I have to what do I have to eliminate for it to be okay? Are the cars okay? Are hey, the bottles and models hey, okay? Hey, hey, I don't know, man. Hey, that's something you're gonna have to work out, but you always okay. the door the door has always been open for you. Okay. You know, you 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 know, you like uh, Miami Vice. You know, you got the the nice Hawaiian shirts with your taco meat showing. I mean, come on, baby. I got a uh, roll. I got a roll with my entourage. <laughs> is what you're saying, my posse. I exactly. don't know if that's. I don't know if that's the right word. I don't. Hey, wanna, your I don't posse wanna is anybody. on Broadway. Your posse is, that, your, your okay. posse is on Broadway for okay. sure. <laughs> okay. You know, it's probably your posse is on Baraka Parkway. That's where it is. Okay. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. That's, That's how y'all get down. That's how you get down. Yeah, my posse is actually on Von Carmen. <laughs> hey, that's where all your dogs at. You know what I'm okay. saying? 
Okay. Sure. But no, it, it takes a miracle to get you out, man. Really? A miracle? Well, it's not going to take a miracle to get me on the basketball all the, court. Listen, all the programs that we have, all the selections of, of different things you can find at Westcliff, and the only game you went to was a women's no I, also, no, I also went to the soccer games. I went yeah. to both men's and women's. And we, hey, the day we had the pink out, I was there for that, uh, supporting um, uh, breast cancer. And um, that well, was, well, of course. We, we are thankful to have you out, you know. Oh, I love, know, I love going know, to the other sports. We know, what, we know what it takes to get you out, so we're thankful. Uh, well, you know, it's it's really not that hard, but thanks. <laughs> you know, if, if the limo comes and gets me, it makes it a lot easier, you know, and um, if the, you know, the bottles and the models show up, then, then I'm mean, definitely I mean, there. You always got to make these grand appearances. I think uh, we got you on video, um, <laughs> you know, zip lining to a soccer game. I think, I think, you know, stuff like that is what you do, sir. Mm, funny. That's because funny. Who, who do you root for in baseball? In baseball? Well, that's kind of a aside from the West Coast Warriors. See, see, here we go. Here we go. Aside from the West Coast Warriors, professional team. Who's your professional team? Well, I'm from SoCal, so I root for the Dodgers and the Angels. And the funny okay, thing no, is, hold on, hold on. You I, can't root for both of them. Oh, really? I can only root for one. Of course, it's oh, called my one God. team. You can't root for both of them. Really? Oh, no. I mean, who is your is who is your team? But see, they're in different they're in different leagues. They could play each other in the World Series. Okay. Um, they can. I mean, all of are factual, but come on. I'll probably I'll probably root for the Angels. I mean, I still root for the Dodgers. And the funny thing is, so I played in the Astros organization. Game, you're not a Dodgers fan. I played Stop. in the Astros organization, and you I did? don't even root for them. Yeah, okay, so drafted okay, me. So, hey, so wait a big time you there. Okay, yeah, I know you played there. See, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> this prima donna statue. You know, <laughs> well, I played you know, for this organization. I told you, you always style and profile. Yeah, but the point is, I don't have any allegiance to them. I don't root for them. I root listen, for the team listen, where I, I grew up. You're not a Dodger fan, bro. Why? I do. I root for the yeah, Dodgers. Yeah, Angel fan and a Dodger fan. Uh, why not? It's, do you, it's, do you it's only root for one? You only root for one team? Who? Okay, no, so who? No, who is? No, well, wait, wait. I let's talk about. Team. Okay, the, team. who is your team in the NBA that you root for? I'm a Bulls fan. You are a Bulls fan still. Yeah, I'm, I never left the 90s. I'm stuck on Jordan. I'm stuck on that team. I mean, I call them the baby Bulls because they're nowhere near what yeah. the Chicago Bulls used to be. Yeah. Now, here's the difference between you and I. Okay. All right, here's the difference. Okay. Most of the time, I know my Bulls are not going to make it, right? Yeah, yeah. Then when they don't make it, you know, I can say, okay, I'm from Southern California, and if I want a team from Cali to go, right? I can pick a team from there like that I hope does well, but that's still not my team. It's just that I'm going to give them the home cooking. You know, I'm going to give them the home flavor, right? But you can't claim two teams and this be yo-yoing back and forth. Like Dodger fans don't want to be associated with Anaheim Angel fans or, you know, Los Angeles Angels or whatever you want to call them. Mm. That doesn't happen. All right, but do you not root for the Lakers? I do root for the Lakers. But they're not your team. They're not my home team. They're not the team that I grew up rooting for and I love. They're not, you know. But my family loves the Lakers. I live in Southern California, so I want to see them do well. 
Okay. I want to see them do well, but they not. I'm not going to pick them over my Bulls, even though I know they're going to kill my Bulls right now. Mm. So your allegiance is still to Chicago, which is it is the mecca of of basketball, playground basketball, that in New York. I'm mm. just saying, you might as well throw LA in there now. We're, we're killing the game in grassroots, but yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I just really believe, like I like the Lakers, but I can't sit here and say, man, I, you know, no, I was. I grew up in, in in MJ's era, right? And I respect Kobe and all that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I can't sit here and say I'm a diehard Laker fan knowing that I didn't grow up rooted for the Lakers. I, sure. I grew up rooting for the most. Do you root for the Clippers? That's an L.A. team. I, I respect the Clippers, right? So if they go and, 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 the, and, the, and the Lakers don't go, I want to see them do well. Mm. Okay, so, so if the I Lakers- don't have no allegiance there. Like, I could care less if the Lakers and the Clippers both jump off the roof. Now, well, if the Lakers underneath of them, but they're not my Bulls. Well, if the Lakers are playing the Clippers, who are you rooting for? I just want to see a great game. Ah, okay. There was an article on ESPN yesterday, uh, or a couple of days ago, that mentioned the Knicks were secretly trying to lure Jordan to New York. Did you happen to see it? Oh, you t- no, I didn't see the article, but you know I have MJ on the speed dial. Oh, do you? Oh, okay. I, Does I, he know that? Yeah, yeah. But, and MJ is Michael Hardaway's youngest son. His name was... Oh, okay. Let me just clarify that. But... Uh, you know what? If if, if MJ would have um, became a Knicks fan, um, I wouldn't been able to to go with him to the Knicks. I, I just can't root for the Knicks. No, it's hard to root for the Knicks. No, I can't root for the Knicks. Right. Um, yeah. So, this it was. This was absolutely fascinating, though. This uh, whole thing about Michael Jordan going to. The Knicks. Um, it was it was months after the '98 NBA Finals that uh, they were trying to lure him to New York. Michael yeah. Jordan in New York, I, but he wasn't ready. Obviously, he wasn't ready to go. He thought the Bulls were a better team, and his running mate Scotty Pippen. They didn't have one of those there at the Knicks at the Knicks at the time. The Knicks were known for their defense. You that Jordan was nothing without Pippen. No, no, no. Jordan even says he wouldn't be Jordan if he didn't have Pippen. Uh, you know, he 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 realizes you think, that you don't think his ego and pride in him. You saw the yeah, I did last dance. Yeah, yeah. He, so you know he was just being nice. We all saw the segment when Scottie Pippen pretty much quit on his team. He did, yeah, yeah. right. And nobody has respect for him since. Yes, he's also had a, he's had a tough personal life too. But yeah, he he really kind of. I don't know, man. He he doomed himself, I guess you might say. Yeah. I mean, he quit on his team. I mean, what do you expect? Mm. There's no recovery when you quit on your team in that Yeah, moment. that's true. He yeah, he refused he to go. Selfish. He refused to go back in the game. And yeah. then, yeah, and then even on, during the last dance, he kind of quit on him. You know, and after oh, yeah. the, after that came out, he had to issue a few statements that weren't very popular. So, so what, what statements can you issue that show that well, you know rectify you quit? Yeah, no, no. He he backtracked on some of his stuff. And then he also said, oh, it was taken out of context. But, you know, on the last dance, he said some things that weren't very favorable about his teammates. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then here's the deal. 
Jordan said on that last dance, right? Yeah. In real time, when they were recording it then, right? Not the cameos and all the recap, you know, that went through the actual, uh, you know, program. But in real time, he was like, Scotty can't recover from this. You remember that part? Yes. Yeah. And that was in real time, right? When he was smoking on that cigar, right? Mm-hmm. As yeah, yeah. Went, right? So, uh, come on, man. There's yeah. nothing he can tell me as an analyst that I want to hear from a dude that quit on his team when they were winning. And mm-hmm. it was, he was the most, that probably was one of the most selfish acts I've ever seen caught on video. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, he he was having a problem with his contract negotiation, and this was Hold his on. way of retaliating. He didn't have a problem. He decided that he wasn't going to wait. Right. And he wanted the money because he wanted the money at that point. Right. So he made a, he's not the first athlete who signed a, a dumb contract dealing with uh, his people, but he pushed that. He pushed for that because mm-hmm. his reason was he, he came from a small town, whatever. He, he had humble beginnings and he did he thought the well was going to run dry. And it did the absolute opposite, right? And then he wanted out of that contract. Mm-hmm. And the owner even said, when he signed that contract, he was thinking how dumb of a decision that was, right? But Scotty had to have it now, pride and ego, right? He didn't have any deferred gratification. And then he found himself in a bum contract that um, never really allowed him to capitalize on his net worth at the time it happened. That was all Scotty, right? Oh, entirely. Yeah. I'm supposed to false. Hey, Americans supposed to feel sorry for him while they're making minimum wage. Yeah, absolutely. Last check to go see him. Yeah, and he's blown through what most of the money that he has. He's not. He's not broke or anything, but he's one of those athletes on that list of guys that made millions and don't have it. Bernie Kosar's on that list. Uh, Greg Anthony. Not Bernie. Uh, who's the guy you from said, the soap? You said Greg Anthony? No, no. Oh, isn't it Greg Anthony? Uh, you, you, well, he's an analyst still for the NBA. Maybe he's still. Yeah, he's okay. Who was, uh, who was the guy that, uh, uh, man, who played for the Boston Celtics? Um, uh, you're talking about, um, oh, I can't goodness. remember his name. Yeah, right. you know who I mean, though. I mean, there's, there, there are athletes who blew uh, through I nine know. figures. Right, right. Yeah, and we're, we're gonna have to look that up, sure, because I wish yeah. you might not know who that is. Yeah, you talking about true. Antoine Walker? Yes, thank you. Yeah, Antoine. Yeah. Oh my goodness, one of the guys that totally lost all of it. You know, yeah. there are plenty of people like that. Mike Tyson, and not not necessarily through a fault of their own, because yeah, I, they had people taking Mike, advantage Mike, of them. Mike's might be a little different, right, with Don King and that whole. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. Absolutely. But, you know, guys like Dan Marino, uh, Diego Maradona. Oh, no. Dan Marino was on the list? Yeah, he's on that list. Dennis Rodman is on that list. Guys that have gone through millions of dollars. I think I'd expect Dennis Rodman to be on that list. Uh, yeah, you know, the way you, he's he lives not far from here. <laughs> you know, he, no, he went uh, through a lot of it in, in uh, Newport yeah. Beach. No, my son played his son uh, in high school. Oh, did That's really? Him. Yeah. Ah, excellent. I'm sure. But this list is quite long. I mean, you know, Vince Young and Jamarcus Russell on that P-Y, list. And, P.Y. kind of got pushed out of the league, but they don't have anything to do with his money. But Right, yeah. You know, Cheryl Swoops is on that list. Not the female Jordan. Yeah, yeah. She racked up $50 million during her playing days on the hey, court. Hey, listen here. Listen here. 
I'm, I'm, I'm still envious, not jealous. I'm still envious on that list because, man, I wish I had that much to lose. Yeah, I know. That's true. That's absolutely true. But, you yeah. know, there's the list is long. And, you know, when you come from the, some of the backgrounds of these athletes who all of a sudden overnight get millions of dollars with very little instruction on what to do with it and how to handle the fame and the fortune overnight, you know, the first thing they do is they take care of everybody around them, which is nice. If you can buy your parents a house or, you know, you take care of your family, sure. But then there's so many people looking to take advantage of you and they find but a way to do it. But the institution of esports, yeah. it, it, it kind of is conducive to that behavior. See, you don't see a lot in baseball because that baseball money is long. Mm. You know, longer contracts. And guaranteed. And guaranteed. Yeah. Football, uh, any of your combat sports. Right. Those things, you know, it's a different, you know, we always joke about it, Sherm, but come on, even in recruiting, you know, I have coaches always tell me, well, you know, Sherm, you know, baseball got money. You know, Sherm's athletes are a little bit different than where I got to go grab my athletes from. How do you feel about that, Sherm, when you hear that? Because that's a catch-22 for me, right? Because you're still working your tail off. You're doing what you need to do, right? Mm -hmm. You're recruiting. You're being diligent. You're doing your due diligence about, you know, who you recruit and and how you go about your business. But what, what do you... What is your response when people say, well, baseball recruits normally have money because it takes money to play baseball. So they normally can afford some of the things that other student athletes can afford. Mm -hmm. You know, it's an interesting concept. Um, And it's kind of a phenomenon now because- First off, is that true? Can you start off, is that true or false first? I think it is somewhat true the way you presented it. Somewhat true. Some, no, no, no. It's, it's, okay. true it's true or it's not true. Yeah, so true. It, there's some truth in it. I don't. I don't want to give oh, no. it total so, credence at this. So there's point. some. What do you mean? So is it true or is it not true? We okay. got to know, sir. I know. I already know what you want to hear. <laughs> but, <laughs> I have no because, clue. What no, I want to hear. We've, well, we've talked about saying. the we've talked about the access and the Why socioeconomic are you background. From this question, you have running. not been a designated hitter is in a long truth. time. Do you there just go in and run the bases? Like, what, what is going on? Is, is it true or is it not? Now, um, see, so this, you're the guy that never wanted to hit the sacrifice fly, right? I already see what's going on here, Sherm. Sherm, can you answer the question here? Our listeners need to know, is that a true or false question? Of course I can answer the question. So Um, why are you tap dancing like the late Gregory Hines? Yeah, well, I'm tap dancing. Why are you tap dancing now? Don't forget Savion Glover. He he, he belongs in that group too. Hey, he is a bad boy. He is, yeah. So, or or he was, you know, depending on how you want to look at it. That's true, yeah. You definitely want to give him deference, but that doesn't take you off the baton. You're next up, man. You're next up, and now you're on. Okay. okay. You know what? Let me let me explain very. Yes quickly. or no, sure. I can't. I don't. Well, it doesn't need an explanation until you first tell us is it true, and then we'll gladly hear your explanation. Okay. I want to say no. It's not true, but I oh, think I oh, think oh, I think oh, it, I know. Oh, see, you are. I already know what you want to hear. Oh, you're, you're 
you're, leading the, you're leading the lamb to slaughter. Of course, you want me to not, say yes, it's true. So let me go ahead and say yes, it's true. Now, oh, oh my God. With, with that being said, now you and I have talked about this with the lack of access and the lack of fields, and I, I get it. It makes total sense. And most of these players now all have their own equipment. They got to go out and purchase a bat. Some of those bats are $300, or the mm. catchers have to get their own catching equipment, which is also very expensive, and they need right. all their own stuff. And it's not that easy. It's just not that easy to you know, have that background say, Hey, you know, I need $500 for the next set of baseball equipment that comes out and you got to stay relevant. But you know what, if you think about it, you know, Nike got rich on this, you know, every time they come out, every couple of months, they come out with a new line of shoes and you got to have fresh kicks, right? So you got, they're selling shoes by the millions. The sporting are company are killing Nike it. Or what? Are you blaming this on Nike? I'm not blaming it on Nike. I'm using Nike as an example. Okay. Okay. All right. Just okay. Fair, because fair, it's fair. not just Nike. Hey, all the, all the apparel companies do the same thing. And you know what? Trevor Lawrence, who signed or who actually got drafted and will be signing with the Jaguars, uh, the number one pick in the NFL draft, he already signed with Adidas and he put it on his, that was the first thing. Even before he got signed, he put it on his Instagram or his Twitter. He's a three-stripe athlete now. And so, you know, that the race is to bring these athletes on so they can get the equipment out and they can have their signature on it. And they, all the kids can, can go out and buy their stuff. And, and it's just not that easy, depending on your socioeconomic background and the access that you might not have. Right. The, way we, the way we've talked about it and the way you present it makes all the sense in the world. And it was something I never considered. So the answer to your question is yes. So there is a there's a serious divide between the haves and the have nots and being able to develop your sport. And maybe you can't develop your sport or you as a player because of your background. And that's a shame. Yeah, OK. No, no, I, I, I think, number one, it's, it's, it's a bigger problem than what we have time for. But sure, I do sure. I do want to I just wanted to just uh, rattle your cage a little bit, but I knew <laughs> that, you know, you would come home, you know, you would come home at some point, sure. I mean, but, you know, like, it's hard for kids to to buy that that Easton 2018 Beast. Exactly. Team, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, yeah. Let me go grab that, right? And uh, that's not at your local Walmart. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So True. Um, the same with golf as well. I remember being yeah. a lefty. You know, being a lefty, I couldn't just go to Walmart and pick up some starter clubs as a True. lefty. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I, you know, I think it's a lot of things. But do you think that gives you an added advantage in baseball as far as recruiting than any other sports? Because most of your committed players are players that want to do baseball uh, past high school um, actually – already are financially set up to handle possibly paying for tuition versus other uh, sports? Yeah, that's an interesting, an interesting question in sports. Uh, and, and it would certainly be an interesting study at which to look uh, if you dissected each sport in the incoming recruiting class and their socioeconomic backgrounds. There certainly is some merit to what you're saying. And I understand it now. And I never thought about it. I really never had to, but now that you mention it, absolutely. Um, you know, some of that is reflected in the fundraising that we're doing. 
because, you know, we use ETS, our uh, E-Team sponsor, and there are some players who are bringing it in, really bringing it in because of their contacts and their family who all want to support them and support our, uh, our program. And so, and there are others that not as much, uh, I'm not saying that they don't have the means to, but uh, you know, I'm not as familiar with their socioeconomic backgrounds. And so, you know, baseball is one of those elite sports. It's one of the mainstream sports. Um, and uh, as we all know, and this, the numbers are, you know, they change frequently, but there are many fewer inner city kids and black kids in particular playing baseball anymore. Right. And as we've mentioned, Part of it has to do with your economic background and access, as you've mentioned. And you do need cleats, and you do need a bat, and you need a mitt, and you need all that other stuff that goes along with it. Left hand and right hand, and, and here's the deal. Even your local uh, high schools, just for normal gym, right, recreation, not for the team, can has a, has a problem with even being a challenge of having a left or right hand glove, right? For you just to play baseball or softball during gym time in high school, mm-hmm. but yet, you know, so so you can't even be introduced to the sport unless you're already playing in little league or whatever the case may be. Right. And then we're we're not even going to talk about. I'm not here to beat up baseball in, in the grassroots of baseball because sure. every um, sport has its own challenge, right, and disparities, you know, but. It is an old boy network getting your kid through the system. Oh, entirely. It really is. And it's, there's proof in it every year uh, in the off season when um, it's February, March, and the owners have their meetings, usually in Florida, and everybody is there. When I say everybody, I mean coaches who are out of a job are there looking for a job because, you know, I, I still know people who are, who are, in the game, uh, coaches at the highest level. And I said, how did you wind up there? And he said, well, you know what, when I was playing double a ball, my roommate was a guy who was friends with this guy who was now the manager over at this team. And I know him because of my relationship. And that's how you get a job. As the saying goes, it's all who, you know, right. And so in baseball, as you mentioned, the good old boy network, absolutely. Football is kind of the same way. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm glad to, you know, basketball, there seems to be a bit of a renaissance. Things are changing slightly, you know, uh, as an example. Yeah, as an example, the new coach at uh, University of Arizona, he should have been a head coach a long time ago, but maybe this is his time in the right situation. And he's a new head coach, which is great, as an ex- just as an example. There are some new names that are popping up on the coaching carousel and guys like Roy Williams, who are retiring. Uh, you know, giving opportunity to some new players. Jason Hart's going to be one of those guys. He should be any day now. You know, yeah, but here, here's my problem, right? I'm, I'm with you on that, but why are they waiting to to let some of these 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 guys who, like you said, um, they overcook in their position? Like you said, this is they're behind. They're not doing us a favor, right? Like right. some of the names that you mentioned should have been a head coach. Five years ago. Yeah. Why are you trying to catch guys out of their prime or make them spend extra time? Well, right. And we recycle the same coaches. Yes. That have gross misconduct issues. Yeah. Or ethics issues. I mean, how does Patino continue to find a, a landing spot? Unbelievable. You know, and, and and a guy like, you know, Jason Hart and some of the other guys can't even find their first, you know, crack into the game 
and they have a pristine background, right? And and, and a solid reputation. I well, that's something that's crazy, right? It's fear. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. If you got a guy like Patino who has won championships, okay, great, great pedigree in history on the basketball court, just that. You, you try to overlook all of the misdeeds off the court because he's a proven winner, a champion. Now, would you rather have that guy or somebody untested? Because if the untested guy, let's say you're, the, you're, you know, you're an athletic director of a D1 big time program and you put the wrong person it's in not there. very many of them that look like me, sir, at that level. Now. Yeah, that's, not, also, that's also and true. We, and if we go power six, you're not fighting maybe not, one. Yeah. I mean, got the first one. In power seats, maybe it's another. I don't know who he is. Yeah, there may be a couple, maybe. But the I point is, in that, that room. but if you put the wrong coach in there and he or she fails, it's on you, the person who hired. So, you know what? If we can get a big name and put that person in there right away for recruiting is good, marketing is good. You know, we get all this extra bonus that comes along with the name like Patino, even though I don't believe in the guy because he keep, he's at Iona now. Really? You know, it just he made it, a tournament, though, didn't he? Yeah, of course. In his first year with players, he did not recruit. So yeah, he there's that clip this yeah. past year. Yes, he, he went did. Right to, went right to another school. He, right? Yeah, we're, I think he went to where New Mexico. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, he, I mean, the direct deposit from the last check didn't yeah. clear before he was picking up the next. That's absolutely true, and that's part of the coaching carousel. And there's How that, does that happen, sir? Yeah, I because because the ink the wasn't teams even are, dry. The ink yeah. wasn't even dry on the new deal. Yeah, teams are afraid to fail. They don't want to put the wrong person in there, and then it looks bad on them. Right. So, you know, why don't we get somebody established? Whether he or she has a winning record or not, you see tons of guys. How do, how do you know? And, so are, you, are you saying that, that, that these schools just don't want minorities uh, being in charge of their organization? Well, it's not just minorities. I, I think that – I'm talking about here's, too, so there's no disparities. I know, but – I want, to, I, I want to give you an example, okay? And I want to, I want to get your honest opinion on this. Well, the I Cincinnati, want you to answer the first question first, and then maybe I'll give you my honest opinion. Okay, because this, what I was going to ask you has to do with your first question. Oh, okay. All right. But, so you, you asked me a question, win a question. Way, way to do that, Shrek. I'm Yeah, I'm going to. I'm gonna, yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate it. Okay. Um, now, you have some teams, uh, and we'll use football as an example, that are historically inept. And you have some coaches, whether they're minorities or not, who have really struggled. As an example, you've got a guy like Marvin Lewis at the okay. Cincinnati Bengals. Okay, right. won one game in two years or something yeah, like that, or two years. Can we can we give Marvin his respect? Like he came from Baltimore, which had the best defense, right? Yeah, and he was he was the brains behind that, even though he wasn't in charge of that defense, right? Rex Ryan got a lot of credit off of Marvin Lewis. And I just want you to set up the contents of this is because, yes, he he did those things that you said, but it's not like Cincinnati was winning before he got there. That That's my point. So my, my point is the jobs that they give to minorities are not favorable jobs. I mean, so it, it's hard for me to even hear the comparison because it's not really a comparison because if you think about it, the, the minorities who are given these opportunities, they earn them, but the opportunities they're given are always 
the armpits of, of changing over. It's not well-oiled machines. It's not like, you know, like Mark Jackson in, in, in Golden State did all the heavy lifting for Golden State. I mean, it was in shambles after Nelly left. And then, um, you know, Steve Kerr comes into a situation that's a well-oiled machine at that point. We just had a couple ripples and then go on a tear. Tony Dungy, the same way when he was in Tampa Bay, right? It was in shambles, a laughing stop. He gets it all the way to where it needs to be. They bounce him out. Gruden comes in, win a championship with a squad that he didn't even assemble. If you look at Steve Nash, his first coaching gig is the uh, Brooklyn Nets that has most the biggest historic team ever to come through the door. We're not seeing minorities get set up that way uh, to be in a situation where it's successful. They always have to put brick by brick together. It's always a shambles. You know, I, I wasn't getting, um, I could have had a better situation, you know, than, than Westcliff, maybe, or maybe not, right? But I think our, our program was at the cemetery. It wasn't no well old machine. Even the dude who took over UCLA, right? After the scandal, that wasn't a weld oil machine as well. He had to take over USC after UA, uh, you know, Under Armour drops the program. There are millions of dollars in financial debt in their athletic budget. Then they give it to the brother. Come on, bro. Uh, it's countless and countless and countless of opportunities that we're seeing that minorities who are well-deserved to take over better situations and organizations Always got to play the cleanup room. They don't come into these well-set-up, successful opportunities where all you need to do is prune the plants and, and the flowers will continue to grow. They always got to plow. They always got to water. They always got to till. They always got to do something extra. And then when it's almost ready, right, to bloom, they get clipped for something that has nothing to do with anything. Even with, um, when we look at my beloved Steelers, right, who just got Najee right, Harris last night in the draft, a year ago, right, they were calling for Tomlin's head, calling for his head. After Bill Coward kind of, you know, won a championship and kind of had the Steelers in a disarray, and, and, and look at it now. But we see the, the Belichicks of the world who have a horrible season. It's not his fault. Um, his uh, McDaniels, his offensive coordinator, went over to Denver, pretty much wet the bed, blew up every situation, every relationship. He lands right back on his feet. Mm -hmm. we, we see this countless times. We see Andy Reid blow it up in Philly, find a better situation in, in, in Kansas City. Son, pretty much an alcoholic, swept under the rug, hurt kids, whatever the case may be, kept his job, right? Nobody said anything during Super Bowl week. Countless and countless of, of uh, scenarios that happens. And it's not, it's not even close to being an even exchange because you know I don't believe in fair. Not even close. So these opportunities that we are, once we do decide that we're going to give to, you know, um, minorities or women who are breaking through, it's phony. Bro, like, look at the Washington football team, the ownership there in disarray. We saw what happened to the ownership with the Clippers. 
still happening. How about my guy, McDermott, right, at, at Creighton, with his blasphemy of talking about his student athletes leaving the plantation? The mm-hmm. dude gets suspended for one game? Crazy. But he still have a head coaching job where we got a disparity of, of blacks and, and, and other minorities can't even crack into uh, the actual industry, and yet he can make uh, racist remarks or undertones of that nature and only get a slap on the wrist and, hey, you know, continue with your life? Mm. Doesn't make sense to me. So th- those are the things that I'm asking you to help me gain some clarity because I'm confused. Okay. I'm confused about those disparities. I think I listed a whole lot of great examples, right? Sure. Oh, just on the surface, not even digging deep. This is this low-hanging fruit. Mm. So many untold stories that are continuing to happen right now that are just unbearable to think that we still have these inequalities, inequalities and, and disparities that are happening on our watch when we're supposed to be conscious enough you know, and, and have a change culture that that should not be um, tolerating any of this behavior anymore. So, so help me to understand that. Hmm. Well, you know, I could do the best I can. I, I don't know that I'm the right person. I, I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a, link, I'm a link in the chain, and I want to be a leader. I think you're qualified. Okay. okay? And, and you have some strong qualifications. Number one, okay, you have been a professional athlete. You've been a coach, right? You're a great human being, yeah. right? And then you're a Caucasian. You understand and have seen it on every level from the beginning to the end of what privilege look like, right? What opportunity look like in different scenarios, actually more qualified than me because you know what the fundamental matrix is for all of these things to happen. Now, what I'm asking you is how courageous are you about speaking about these things? Mm-hmm. Because here's the deal. We talk about 42 all the time. Yeah. If he wasn't courageous enough to at least have a conversation about it, right? Without worrying about the ripple effects, not worrying about if the cash is going to be deposited next week, where would we be at this point? Mm-hmm. So that's all I'm asking. Yeah. Okay. We have a lot of work to do. Now, here's the other thing, and I don't want to play point counterpoint or throw a wet blanket over the situation. There are some, um, there are some instances where you've had minorities that have been put into pretty good situations, and they went on to success. So, okay. Although- so what what are those? And I'm glad that, and and, and is those. Uh, Number one, identify those real quick for me. Which, Dave, which, which situation do you feel like they've been set up for success? In this Dave, Dave Roberts, manager of the Dodgers. He took okay. over a good team and just won a World, a World Series championship. They've won their, their division eight years in a row. Right. So he's, he was put in a pretty good spot. Okay. Cito Gaston with the uh, Blue Jays. He came in and they won two World Series championships shortly after he got there. You know, right. there's instances, and as I said, I don't want to throw a wet blanket. I know, I, I know, I don't. I, I'm just thinking. And I'm not ways. asking you go round for round, but is that the norm? No, no. But see, what, what the point I want to make? Yeah, the point I want to make is that it's the exception. It doesn't. It doesn't come close to your the argument that you're making. 
I'm just saying there are a few instances, but they are minuscule in comparison to the travesties that's been happening and is still happening, the, the other point of view that you're making. So while there are a few instances of success, they're fleeting. Uh, and you know, obviously, Dave Roberts has, has been a staple there and he's done a good job. And there's, it doesn't appear, though, he'll be leaving the Dodgers anytime soon. But you know, that's just one instance. That's the exception rather than the rule. And you and I are addressing the rule. Gotcha. So, um, <clears throat> I, you know, it probably, I, I don't know when it's going to really, we're going to see a, a tremendous amount of change unless we get women and minorities in positions of uh, management, like in front offices. Right. You know, Kim, Kim NG, you know, Derek Jeter, really good example. Again, I'm going with baseball, you know, president of operations of the Marlins. He is a black man and a very successful one in a powerful position. He put a woman, first woman as a general manager of a right. major of the major team. And that was his vision. It's going to be his legacy. Not only that, She's overqualified. She's been in the game 30 years and with she was with the Yankees. You know? So um, yeah, that's where they met. And so, you know, if there's if there is a woman who's going to be qualified for that job, it's going to be Kim Enji. But but you but you did say overqualified. So that means because, she was that's to my point, right? When they get these opportunities or because they earned them a long time ago. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. She should have been in this position right. a long time ago. Right. So we can't build generational wealth if you only bring me in with a short time span and an expiration date. She's been in for 30 years. So her expiration date is very limited, right? And it shouldn't took him, another minority, to see her talent, right? Her talent was well known throughout baseball circles before she landed this opportunity. Right. 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 I mean, one thing I love about the WCC is their women's commissioner. Very few, right? Commissioners are women mm -hmm. in, in the collegiate athletics. Yeah, or so, even athletic directors. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, we we do, we, we keep saying we have a lot of work to do, okay? What does that really mean, Sharon? That's well, my question to you. Because is... everything in sports need to happen fast and quick. Fix it fast short memory, all the things that we talk about in sports. Ain't nothing we do in sports we talking about take a long time. Well, in sports, we need instant gratification. Absolutely. So why can't these promotions, these opportunities, these nuggets of, of you know, great information be passed on faster than what it is? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's happening just very slowly. Like Robert Sala, the head why? coach of the of the Jets. Um, well, why? Why is it happening slowly? And why can Adam Gates come from stinking up Miami to go to the epicenter of all media attention to the Jets and stink it up again and be okay? Yeah. Well, because the fear again, I think everyone's afraid of. So what are they afraid of? Is it success? Is it failure? It's fear or of failure. Or, or fear. is it minorities? Are it's they, fear are they of fearful of minorities running their organization? That, might, that might be part of it. Yes, but and yes, also, fear, I don't. I don't think so that's the entire thing, though. I don't think percentage? it's the entire reason. I think it's part of the reason. So what? What percentage is? Because you're well, not coming off this. You're, you're, you're a big Marlin right now. You're not coming off my 
<laughs> you, you got me on the hook. I don't. I. I don't know what the percentage is. You I said mean, it might be. So that means the possibility that no, it's I, not. it is part of the equation. I just don't okay. know how big. I. It's. I certainly can agree you, with you, but I don't think it's a hundred percent of it. Can I, can I give you a guesstimate? Yeah, please. Absolutely. No, what, what's your guesstimate? Is oh my gosh. Well, I want to take into account everything, and it could be as much as fifty percent. I think it's oh. probably fifty percent to sixty percent. Okay. Oh, okay. So 50 to 60 is pretty big disparity. Yeah. Well, so really? Is it, 60, is it 60 or 50? I'll go. All right. I'll go 60%. What do you think okay. it is? Uh, I think it's probably 80. You think it's more than that? Okay. Yeah. yeah do you I, think I, it's, do you think it's the same for women then? It, it's similar. No, oh, no, it's, it's zero. It's, it's 99.9% the reason. And it's a very systemic. Okay. And well, if you're a woman of color, it's probably a hundred percent why. Okay, but l then let me ask you this: chauvinistic society, sure. Okay, you know, I admit that it doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound pretty, right? But I've been on the other side, being an advocate for women. I can tell you, we're a chauvinistic society. Okay, I don't, I don't disagree. But here's my question: We got to do our part, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Now, how how are women? going to gain equality in sports when sports are mostly male dominated through legislation through policies through procedures of everything else through doctrine that is derived from organizational bodies has to happen because the because the ones that are on the books now are not happening for for men of color and minorities right the rudy rule don't work yeah <laughs> doesn't work bro no, it doesn't, doesn't work at all. more rules that doesn't work, right? That's out there. So we know this already. Sure. So it just needs to change. It needs to change immediately. I mean, two, two old dudes from Westcliff, you know, trying to drive it, you know, is a start. But it needs backing. It needs corporate sponsorships. Everything starts with a number and ends with a number. So what we have seen in our culture is when the dollar gets pulled away, right? From these organizations that can't seem to act and function like they should, right? And honor the 14th amendment, then it catches their attention, right? And then that's when we're seeing our most change when it's in their wallet, in their, in their bottom line, sure. That's mm. take some money away or the potential of making money, which is the American way, then some heads start to roll. Some people start to hit the pause button because nobody wants the Benjamins to stop rolling in. So you're saying no we need we need to are. so you need, you're saying we need there need to be consequences. We need to punish people. Absolutely needs to be consequences in okay. corporate sponsorship and dollars and money need to stop. Access to making more money needs to stop. And people will start valuing right what's going on mm -hmm. okay okay and you think i'm way off base with this you don't think money is oh that's the, the that's the answer world? to everything okay. that's the answer to everything in sports but how are you going to get there how are you going to get people to agree well, with you when the people in power are that. not the right people but we've seen some of it is like when the when the when the people come together this is we the people still right to, okay. form, to form a more perfect union, right? Right. right. Mm -hmm. it's, it's when we step up and speak out 
is when we're seeing that. And that's the reason why I'm particularly so thankful for Gen Z because they seem like the generation who actually get it. They're not completely all there. Right. They need some help. And some of our baby boomers need to go six feet under. <laughs> because what? Because as long as they live in, we, we heard what they said, right? Your, your guy in, in, in golf said it best, didn't he? As long as I'm living, right? What did he say, Sherman? Uh, you lost me. I'm sorry. You remember the golf, uh, the golf uh, for the Masters? Oh, was... right, right, right. Yeah, the uh, yeah, who used to be the uh, um, the president, yeah, of yeah. Augusta National. Yeah, he says, as long as I'm, as long as I'm alive, golfers will be white and caddies will be black. Right. That's that stick of thinking that needs to be buried. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's no longer with us, so yeah, me. Hence, then, <laughs> what happens? Yeah. <laughs> we we seem to get. Uh, Lee Elders, uh, his just due way past his prime. Yeah, right? yeah, when he's eighty six. But, but, but that had to happen. And so, so both of those things were factual. He was a hundred percent right, right. It wasn't going to happen until he got buried, right. And then it happened. And, and what I'm saying is that kind of thinking, that Jim Crowism, that, that kind of thinking should not even exist. Yeah, but that's that's the point I'm making. Is that if you look, and you know, now that you bring up the Masters, if you look at the president of Augusta National, always a middle to older age white man who comes from that area, who's had that point of view for a very long time. And how do we get past the people of power who are that? How do we get the people in power who are a little bit more inclusive? Legislation. And yeah. that's the reason why we're seeing voting rights being changed state to state. Yeah, oppressing they the are. Yeah, vote. they are. You're so, absolutely right. You know, so that's the key. Now, all of a sudden, before I know it, sure, in the next five years, I might not be able to vote anymore. Hmm. Yeah, and your access will be limited. You'll have to drive 200 miles to find a, a, uh, you know, a place where you can cast a ballot. It's happening in a lot of places. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, that's sad, isn't it? And, that, and it's going, yeah, that's going the wrong way. It is. But you, you ask me how can change happen, they know what I'm saying is correct. That's the reason why we're seeing voter suppression. Yeah, absolutely. It has to happen through legislative. Mm -hmm. Gosh. All right. See, we, we've gotten into a whole area that, you know, we need, we need louder voices and more of them. Right. So, yeah, I know. this. So let's, is, keep, uh, hey, let's keep, you and I, let's keep uh, beating these pots and pans together. Okay. And this is the third of, and yeah. try to make a difference. Well, this is this is a third of our five C's by making a tremendous impact in the community. Absolutely. So always building greatness. Yeah, being fully committed to excellence. So we can do it. Uh, you as as where we're starting with Westcliff University, we're on we're on the right track. We just need to, to get a, a few partners to go along with us and make a difference. Well, so. sure, you believe in the power of one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I also believe in the power of many. Right, because there is strength in numbers. So yeah. as long as we continue to be uh, non-biased about our thoughts and opinions and, and, and continue to uh, shed a spotlight on some of the disparities for everyone, because we, we're pushing inclusion, right? Sure, acceptance, you know, right. We, we just understand that 
this is a triage. And so when you come into a triage, right, the first thing is you got to diagnose the problem, right? And whatever the elements that's the worst gets the, the first attention, correct? So yeah, that's like, we, we, we know it's a lot of things that's happening right now. So we're just trying to, after this diagnosis, we're just trying to make sure that we give proper attention to um, our major organs first, right? That, so we can stay alive and then we can bandage up the finger, right? We can take care of the little uh, minor cuts, but the, the major things we, we need to attack. And I think as long as we continue to set a platform here for Westcliff um, and, and our president who had a strong message regarding stop Asian hate and inclusion for all minorities, uh, I think that was really a, a great message from him um, understanding that immigrants, right, started Westcliff. Immigrants started this country. Yeah, but, uh, you know, but I just wanted to be clear about our university stance with that. Right, and that's Dr. Anthony Lee, we should be clear. You know, our, our, our president and our and CEO, leader. Our leader, our leader yeah. Leader, right, and, and, and he allows us to, to spread this great education through this podcast and through athletics and and making sure at Westcliff, you know, we have an athletic program and the institution to be able to provide the desired college experience um, by, by focusing on, you know, academic experience, athletic experience, uh, mm -hmm. life skills, which is huge, you know, and, and career development mm -hmm. opportunities for our student athletes um, that call us home, call Westcliff home, and we're proud to have them. Yeah, well... We are certainly trending in the right direction, and Westcliff uh, is one of the leaders in our community. Um, where inclusion is concerned, equality is concerned, acceptance is concerned, we are a multicultural, multi-generational organization and, and university. And so uh, we're, we're going to be the leaders for a very long time. Right. And sure, you know, you're my brother, and I love you. So I <laughs> You know what, sir? I love you more. That's our romance, baby. <laughs> Building greatness to warrior your way. And as always, I would like to thank my guest host, our Dean of Athletics, Sean Harris. Yay, yay. And the gentleman who makes us sound good each and every time we do podcasts, that is Brandon Peterson, our sound engineer. Beep, 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 beep. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you download your podcast and please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get the word out about Westcliff Athletics and we thank you for your support. And keep an eye out for the next podcast.